Well, uh, this morning, we're going to um, look at an interesting uh, topic, a relevant topic, an essential topic. We're, we're taking just a couple of weeks to uh, cover some basic uh, principles, concepts, realities of the Christian life, of spiritual growth. Uh, starting next week, we're going to be starting a series uh, in Proverbs that's going to run um, from Mother's Day uh, up until Father's Day. But uh, we have these two weeks where we kind of just fill in with some essential stuff. So, uh, so this morning, we are going to uh, look at the topic of the Holy Spirit and, and the role, uh, the defining role he plays in, in the Christian life. Um, so the Holy Spirit is an essential part of, of Christian growth, of spiritual growth, because we don't do the Christian life on our own. Um, it's something that we do through his empowerment. As a matter of fact, if you've tried to do it on your own, you realize that it's just, it's not possible. Um, and, and so understanding the role that the Holy Spirit plays is, uh, is essential to experiencing growth and maturity. And there's a lot of confusion about the uh, subject of the Holy Spirit. Typically what happens is either he becomes an assumed and overlooked reality, or on the other end, sometimes he becomes the obsession of, uh, of, of, of different groups. And, and so trying to find that balance um, and live in that tension can be a real challenge. Uh, I'm going to take a shot at it. I'm not quite sure how balance is going to become, but, uh, but we're, going to, we're going to try. Uh, but the goal is, is not just to know about him, it's to know him and, and to encounter and experience him and to understand what he's doing and cooperate with, with his agenda um, for our lives. And so um, I'm going to answer three questions this morning about the Holy Spirit. And this this message is going to be a little bit different from the ones that uh, we typically go through on a week-to-week basis, where typically we're, we're in one passage, we stay there, and we just kind of, you know, work through that one passage. So this morning, uh, it'll be a rare exception where we're going to be kind of going to a few different passages. Most of them are going to be on the screen behind me. And, um, and, and so uh, three questions. The first question is, who is the Holy Spirit. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, what are we actually uh, talking about? And some of you, this may be like, this is an obvious question. You know, the, uh, the answer to this question is obvious, um, but it may or may not be. There is a lot of confusion over this topic. Uh, Francis Chan actually wrote a book a few years back, a whole book about the Holy Spirit, and, and he titled it Forgotten God uh, because the role and the reality of the Holy Spirit had been so overlooked. And so uh, let's start with this reality, is that the Holy Spirit is a person, uh, not just a power. And so, and so sometimes you can think of, okay, the Holy Spirit, that must be like in Star Wars. That's like the force, right? It's just this impersonal kind of power. Um, but that's, that's not what we're talking. That would be a, mistake, a mistaken c- concept of the Holy Spirit, because we're not talking about an it, we're, we're talking about a who. It's, it's not a force, it's, it's a person. And by person, I don't mean that the Holy Spirit has a physical body. Um, he is spirit, but he is person, he is personal. 
Um, so, so Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as he. At, in, in John 14, 26, he says, But the Helper, um, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So it's a, it's a he, uh, not an it. It's actually, to get more specific about who is this he, it's this Holy Spirit is, is God himself, a part of the actual Godhead. And so in Acts chapter 5, the apostle Peter refers uh, to the Holy Spirit as being nothing less than, than God himself. And so when we're talking about the Holy Spirit, we're not talking about someone less than God the Father, less than uh, God the Son, Jesus, but, uh, but in Trinity, and in this triune form, a part of that Godhead um, as a person. And the important thing about this point, um, that it's a person, not just a power, is that since the Holy Spirit is personal, that means that we can have a personal relationship with him. He is someone who can be known. He is someone who can be experienced. He's someone who can be encountered um, in our lives. And so um, the other point about this is, is understanding that the Holy Spirit lives in the life of the believer. And so he chooses uh, to inhabit the lives of his people. Um, so let me just read this passage and, 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 and hear what Paul explains to the believers in 1 Corinthians. He writes this to them. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God with your body. So he describes the life of the redeemed believer as being a temple, a, a place where, where, where God would inhabit his presence. And so there's this, this radical change of address um, between the Old Testament um, and the temple that the Old Testament Jews knew um, and the New Testament address. And so in, in the Old Testament, you could read about the temple, and it was this fantastic structure, detailed, all kinds of things that went into it. And, and people knew that if you wanted to find God, if you wanted to come near to God, um, if you wanted to encounter him, you went to the temple. That was the place where God is everywhere, but he manifests his presence. He makes his presence known uh, in that temple place. Um, he chooses to reside there. In the New Testament, this is, this is amazing. That changes. So it's no longer this building. It's, 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 it's his people. Um, it's his redeemed people that God chooses to live, chooses to make his presence known in and through the lives of his people. In, in your life, child of God, in my life, that's, that's, that's amazing. That means where, where I go, he goes. His presence is with us wherever we are, and he's a part of everything we do. And, 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 so, and so Paul in this passage is challenging the, uh, the, the believers in, in Corinth that Pay attention to that. This matters. Your life is the place where the Holy Spirit resides. And so, and so recognize that. Um, in other words, we have the chance to either make our, our hearts a, a home that he feels welcome in or, or a place where he's sort of like an uninvited guest that's there, uh, but there's not a lot of regard and, and attention 
um, pay to him. Um, but, uh, but God chooses to manifest his presence through depositing the Holy Spirit in the lives of his people. Um, and, and in addition to that, the Holy Spirit is, is at work. So if we're understanding who he is, we have to recognize that he has an agenda. Um, he's not residing inside of our lives just, just to hang out. Um, he's at work. He's at work in our lives and through our lives and in this world. And, and, and John 16, uh, Jesus says this, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, and he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And so that just gives a little bit of an idea about what the work is that the Holy Spirit is doing. Um, he's, he's guiding and illuminating. He's called the spirit of truth. He's, he's leading our lives to the truth, uh, away from lies into the truth. He's called the comforter. He's, he, he's, he brings comfort to our lives. He, he convicts. Um, not condemns, but convicts and points out those areas of our lives that, that, that aren't aligned to God's will and says, hey, let's pay attention to that. Let's, let's deal with that. Let's address that area. Uh, in, in Romans 8, it talks about the interceding work that he does on behalf of believers. and says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Um, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. I love that passage, and the reality that that talks about is that sometimes we don't know how to pray. Sometimes we're praying in our lives for things that aren't actually the right things. And, and so the Holy Spirit is actually taking those prayers and redirecting them to align with God's will and uh, giving us what is best for us have, if we had the mind of, of God. And so there's some powerful work that he is doing. That's just a, that's just a sampling. It's just an, an overview of understanding who is he. Um, there's some facts there. So so now we want to kind of take it to the next question and get personal. And the next question is this, is what does the Holy Spirit want to do with my life? What does he want to do? Um, so that's the question. And the answer, uh, there's a lot of different answers you could give to that, but I want to focus on this one, is that he wants to fill your life. Uh, he wants to fill your life. So in Ephesians 5.18, it says this, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And, you know, all throughout Scripture, you consistently see the the Holy Spirit and and, and His activity in our lives is like, it's compared to like a liquid. Um, Usually it's like oil, um, sometimes it's wine, but it's something that that fills up the container that is our lives— And this passage is instructing God's people uh, to be filled with the Spirit instead of being filled with other things, namely um, being filled with alcohol. 
Uh, and, and, and that's something that we can all understand. And, and it actually provides a pretty good idea of understanding the work of the Holy Spirit because there's some similarities there of being under the influence of a controlling substance. Uh, that something has a controlling influence over your lives. If you drink too much alcohol, it's going to lead your life in a particular direction, uh, in, in a, not a good direction. It says, don't do that. It doesn't say don't fill your life with nothing, but instead of being filled with, with these controlling substances, instead seek to have your life controlled by the Holy Spirit. Let him fill you up in such a way that he becomes the controlling influence uh, over your life. And, and so that's, that's the way it works. And there's a very interesting grammatical structure to this verse that uh, for those of you who like this kind of stuff, I want to point it out. Uh, first, number one, it, it's, it's an indicative. Uh, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, the indicative means that that's a command. This is this is not a suggestion. This is not, hey, here's an idea. How about this? If you're up for it, maybe consider this. This is a command. Be filled. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, but it's not just that. It's, it's also a passive command. So it doesn't say, fill yourself with the Holy Spirit. As if it's our work to do, it's passive. Be filled. In other words, let yourself be filled. Allow yourself to be the kind of container through which the Holy Spirit would, would fill your life up. Um, we're going to explore that in a little bit. And the third part that's very specific about this passage is that it's, it's ongoing. We wouldn't get that from the English, but if you look back at the Greek, it's written um, with this ongoing tense. Not just be filled one and done, but be continually filled on a regular basis with the Holy Spirit. Now here, um, some of you may know this, some of you may not, but uh, we are kind of zeroing in on one of the controversies about this subject. And uh, what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? When does it happen? What is this baptism of the Holy Spirit? Maybe you've heard about that. And uh, and, and, and so this is a complicated issue. Uh, there's a few different ways that people go about interpreting that. Um, and uh, a lot of that has to do with whether you see the book of Acts as being descriptive or prescriptive. Um, so in the book of Acts, you see that oftentimes when the Holy Spirit comes, people would speak in tongues. They would speak in languages that uh, weren't known, and it was this understanding that the Holy Spirit had come. And people will say, that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's other times in Acts when that doesn't happen. And so some Christians will say that, uh, that the baptism of the Holy Spirit that's um, equated with speaking in tongues, that's a secondary act that happens after someone has come to faith in Christ. And so, um, so I want to just unpack that controversy just a little bit. And in my mind, um, the issue is not, um, do I have all of him? If you are a Christian, the question is not, do I have all of the Holy Spirit? You see, Scripture's pretty clear, quite clear, that uh, you get 
all of the Holy Spirit when you placed your faith in Christ for salvation. Uh, a couple of examples. Uh, one is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. It says, For in one spirit we're all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, we were all made to drink one spirit. And so there is this, there is this one spirit that comes, and, and that's, that's, that's the what. The, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is it's the very thing that makes someone a Christian. When the Holy Spirit comes into your life, that's what brings people into the body of Christ, regenerates them, and makes them alive to God. Um, that's the what. The second question is, is the when. When does it take place? And for that, I want to turn to Ephesians chapter 1. It says this, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we inquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So that answers the when question. Um, When do you get the Holy Spirit? And the answer that Ephesians gives us, that takes place when when you believe. Uh, When someone responds with saving faith and trust from the gospel message and places their faith in Jesus Christ, that's, that's when the Holy Spirit comes. And, and yet, here's the tension of this issue, is that for some people, and this would be true of uh, the tradition I grew up in, um, there's a misunderstanding that they would say that since I've got all of the Holy Spirit from the time I believed, then stop focusing on him. And, and this is what I often heard as a child. He's already here. He's already come. Why do, you, why do people keep on asking for him to keep on coming and keep on filling. He's already here. And in a response to that, they, they just neglect it and kind of just assume it without paying attention to the Holy Spirit. And so um, the issue, the way I understand it, is not do I have all of him. Uh, the issue and the question is this, does he have all of me? And so as we talk about this idea of this Ephesians idea of be filled with the Spirit, that's what I believe this is asking. Does he have all of me? Am I living my life in a way that is letting him fill me up? Um, and being, or am I being filled with other things? So his presence is there, but it's not permeating my life. So, okay, so let me use an example, an illustration to kind of make the point that I'm trying to get at. And so to do this, I brought, some, um, I brought some things here, and uh, I brought a glass, I brought a spoon, I brought some milk, and this is my beverage of choice, quick, chocolate milk. Anytime you ask me, what would you like to drink, my preferred answer is going to be chocolate milk. And, um, and so, um, you have to get Nesquik, by the way. Hershey's is good for ice cream. But Nesquik is the way to go for chocolate milk. And so when you're making chocolate milk, here's how you do it. You take, you take the glass, you, you pour the milk in, all right? And, uh, and then you're going to add the chocolate milk. I hope this goes well. All right, and you see that? You put in a good amount, because I like, I like it thick and rich. But there's, there's a good amount there. Now, you can look at that. 
And there is chocolate syrup present in this glass right now, but it's not permeating the milk, okay? And so you can look at that and say, yeah, that's not chocolate milk. You need to add more chocolate milk. You need more. Well, do you? I think really what you need is you need to stir it up, right? It's there, but it's not permeating yet. And so you stir it up, and it makes its way throughout the entire contents of what's there in the glass, and then it diffuses all the way around, and you've got this beautiful chocolate liquid that I'm going to just take a quick drink of. Because that's so good. And the glass is our lives, right? And the milk is our, is our, is our bodies. And the Holy Spirit, think of it as that Nesquik syrup. It's in there. He's in there. But the question is, does he have all of me? Uh, we have all of him. If you've trusted in Jesus, you have all of the Holy Spirit. Uh, but does he have all of me? And so it says, be filled continually with the Holy Spirit. There's something there to pay attention to. There's, there's some kind of activity that we're being called to take in response to the Holy Spirit's aliveness um, in our lives. And, and so we're to seek that fillness. Uh, be filled with him. Uh, what does that look like? One is to desire more of him, to grow an appetite for the Holy Spirit, to, to have a hunger for him and not just be content with, with staying status quo. That can happen pretty easily, right? There's this just genuine god birth desire to want him, to want the Holy Spirit to have that defining influence on your life. Uh, he is a gentleman, um, and so that's why there's this command to be filled with the Holy Spirit, because he's just not automatically going to do it apart from our permission, from us opening the door of our hearts to allow him to, to stir his presence up. He oftentimes works in surrendered hearts that are, invited, are inviting him into it. So that, that requires surrendering more of me, of just saying, Holy Spirit, I don't want to be in charge of my life. Um, I know I have to keep on taking myself off of the throne room and making space there for you. Or taking whatever else it is that's filling my life and, and allowing you to fill it. Um, it also means getting the obstacles out of the way, because... If, if, his, if his filling is there, there's, there's things that can block that. Uh, I remember as a child, I'd, I'd be playing in the brook outside of my house, and there's a stream that would come down, this natural current to it. Um, but you figure out that you can, you can put rocks in the stream, and, and, and you, can, you can block that current until you dam the whole thing up. There's no flow. And when we allow things like bitterness unforgiveness, envy, hatred, pride, and lust to, to, to fill our lives, we're blocking the flow of his Holy Spirit, of his filling in our lives. And so the activity is to just get those obstacles out, take them out of the way so that he can fill us. 
The last one is to, to keep in step with him, to cooperate with his agenda because there's things that he wants to build up in our lives. Uh, there's something that he's, he's trying to do, and, and we, can, we can have this disposition of either fighting that or cooperating with that. And, and maybe, it's, maybe it's perseverance. Maybe he's building up the, that, that just perseverance through through difficulties that are going in your life. Uh, maybe it's patience. And, and you can say, okay, Lord, I don't like this, but I understand this is something that you're doing and I want to get on board. I don't want this obstacle, this challenge, this situation I'm going through to be wasted, so use it. Um, and he will. And so that's, that's the issue of what he wants to do. There's one last uh, question that I want to look at is, uh, and that is the question, um, what, what does he want to do with our lives? Um, and uh, and, and what, he, what he wants to do is to produce uh, two things. The fruit of the Spirit is first thing, so that we can love like Jesus. Uh, that he would transform our lives uh, from the inside out. To do this interior renovation of removing the old attitudes of the flesh. So I could turn to um, Galatians 5.19, and it talks about this, that it says the works of the flesh, the, the old you is, uh, are evident, and it lists all kinds of things. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. There's there's all kinds of things uh, that just build up in our lives that are there. Um, and the work of the Holy Spirit is to replace those things with, with his fruit, with the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit, it says, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, it's worth noting that this passage isn't calling us to bear those fruit. Uh, this is not our fruit to bear. This is the work of the Holy Spirit producing this within us. It's the byproduct of his work in our lives. And so it's a reminder to us that this is not a try-hard, self-effort Christianity, right? The main directive in this passage in Galatians is, is to walk by the Spirit, to keep in step with what he's doing, to cooperate with his agenda, and to attend what he's taking shape in, in our lives. And the byproduct, the outcome of that will be these things. Um, so so he, what he wants to do is to bear fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, so we can love like Jesus. And that's a good thing. Uh, the second thing is that he gives us the gifts of the Spirit so we can live like Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 12, it says this, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord, and there's varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to that same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, 
to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by the one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So what that is telling us is that if you are a redeemed child of God, the Holy Spirit has deposited in your life a unique spiritual gift, an empowerment, supernatural empowerment, not just a natural gifting, but it may be the outworking of a natural gifting through which you can help build up the church. You can build up the body of Christ. And so as a result of that, um, the church, God's people, the spiritual body of Christ can, can accomplish the same work that the physical body of Christ that Jesus did when he was here on earth. That's his agenda, to empower his people to accomplish his purposes. And that's an exciting thing. That's, that's an amazing task that each and every person is called to. This is what we call ministry, and uh, I love saying that at Lakeview, we don't have one minister. If you are a member of this church, you are a minister. Uh, We're all ministers. We're in this together because this is about a body working together to accomplish God's purposes. And so we love seeing out there, even this morning, on a regular Sunday morning, people serving, people getting things ready, people up here getting the worship songs ready, and, and uh, the, the tech team back there getting the slides ready. Uh, throughout the course of the week, we've got life groups that are meeting in different places. We've got Bible studies going on. We've got youth group. We've got children's ministries. We've got people meeting with others in restaurants and and just sharing life together and doing all kinds of things so that God's purposes get accomplished. That's what the Holy Spirit is about, connecting people to accomplish his purposes. And by the way, these gifts, they, they all apply today. Still, they are, they are essential uh, to, to, to building up um, the body of Christ. And the outcome is that the world would be transformed that the world would see Jesus through his people. And that's the outcome of the work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of his people. Um, I would just say that it's worth noting that the gifts of the Spirit are, are subject to the fruits of the Spirit. And uh, just kind of putting one above the other, sometimes, uh, sometimes churches get that twisted, they get that backwards. And the, the gifts of the Spirit are leading before the fruits of the Spirit, but the gifts are meant to operate within the fruit of the Spirit. And this is uh, just the beautiful way that a church operates. Uh, The Holy Spirit is essential. Uh, There's not a single aspect of what we would describe as the Christian life that can be accomplished apart from His empowerment, His activity, His leading. It's not to be an assumed presence. Uh, He's to be an attended uh, reality. Um, The defining feature of his life, of of his presence in someone's life, is not ecstatic experiences. Uh, It's not emotional outbursts. If that happens, great. If it doesn't, that's not really the point the byproduct of the work of the Holy Spirit on a person's life is a transformed life. 
that looks more like Jesus, that lives more like Jesus, that connects together with God's people to see his purposes accomplished. When he is the controlling influence over our lives, things happen. His work moves forward. And that's an exciting thing for us to continue to grab onto, uh, to pursue, and to just follow wherever it is that he leads. Let's pray together.